You're listening to the E-Commerce Excellence Podcast with Joris Brion. Hey, this is Joris of the E-Commerce Excellence Podcast, and today we'll be talking to Emmanuel Elea. Um, Emmanuel is a true e-commerce entrepreneur. He actually started his career as an army officer, um, but then he made a transition into e-commerce, and I'll uh, let him tell his, his, tell him, um, his story. But what I do want to say right now is that he grew his e-commerce business to almost 1 million in revenue in the very first year and 5.5 million the second year. And I think that's pretty impressive. Um, Emmanuel also advises multiple um, uh, other e-commerce companies to help them grow. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll pick up a few very interesting ideas uh, to grow your e-commerce business. Emmanuel, um, welcome to the podcast. Happy to have you here. Uh, it's good to be here. Cool. Um, maybe just to, to start off, um, can you tell a little bit more about your background, where uh, you come from in your career, uh, so that our listeners can understand uh, a little bit more about you, um, how you transition, transition from an army officer to uh, e-commerce and, and how uh, that played out? Sure, we will do. So I, I'm a 2004 graduate of the United States Military Academy at West Point. I uh, finished up there, I was commissioned as an army officer, so I got to uh, become an armor officer and learn about tanks, Bradley fighting vehicles, big guns, big guy stuff. Right? It was it was awesome. I had a great time. I served in uh, Korea and over in Fort Bliss in El Paso, Texas. And I got out and pursued my MBA in international management because I, I love to travel. So I got to travel to 24 different countries, learning business and how to do business overseas, internationally. And that led me to a role at Amazon. So I became a fulfillment center manager. I started off as an area manager and worked in the operation side of things, so shipping of the packages. My last role there, I was a fulfillment center manager, managing a 1.1 million square foot facility with 700 employees and 30 managers, and we're shipping about a million packages a week during peak season. It was a very intense job, uh, but I enjoyed it, right? Uh, it was mm -hmm. fun. I got to learn a lot, and I got to see uh, fulfillment or e-commerce from the inside, right? From Amazon, who was doing it at the time better than anybody else, right? And even today, they just keep getting better. But there was an observation I made was, you know, these FBA sellers, you know, FBA had started when I first got there, but it grew quickly. It became, you know, a significant part of Amazon's revenue. And I watched these FBA sellers send in product, and we were basically doing, you know, the storage, the shipping, the fulfillment. Uh, we would build them a mini website. We would send them customers. Uh, and they would just sit back and collect the check. And I was like, mm -hmm. man, I'm on the wrong side of this thing. You know, <laughs> I need to get a product, send it in Amazon, let those guys handle it. Uh, so that's what happened. My sister calls me up. She said, hey, I've got this idea for a product. I don't know how to sell it. And I was like, well, I've got an idea for how to sell product from these FBA sellers. Just try it. So that's what we did. We formed satinlinedcaps.com. I wanted that SEO <laughs> juice. It was mm -hmm. very SEO heavy yeah. name, satinlinedcaps. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we started uh, with just a product, uh, a couple of products. She was sewing them by hand when we started, every time an order would come in. Uh, and then we we put the systems in place that I had been watching other FBA sellers use. And we built our own little Shopify store, Etsy store, and Amazon. And we got in with influencers, did some influencer marketing, uh, and it scaled, right? We took off. Our first year of business, we did about 750K. Second full mm -hmm. year of business, we did about $5.5 in revenue. And from there, it just kind of took off. And so it was like, all right, I kind of felt confident that the systems that I had observed when I was at Amazon, watching the FBA sellers and doing this 
with my sister's company. I was like, this is working. So I kind of went off on my own to launch my own agency. And now I do this for other, other e-commerce store owners, help them scale. So that's me. Well, yeah, cool. Interesting. So um, you talk about the systems. What, what kind of systems um, are um, super interesting for our listeners to, to understand better? Yeah, so for sure, the one I always recommend first is email marketing, right? It's the mm -hmm. highest ROI activity. Uh, Clavio mm -hmm. just published a study that basically every dollar you spend on your email service provider, you make $97 in return. It's a 97 wow. to 1 return on investment, right? So it just it's the cheapest, uh, most effective form of marketing, right? When you try to acquire a customer or sell to a customer with paid traffic, you have to spend for every touch. Well, if you get mm -hmm. them on your email list, you don't have to spend on every touch. You can just email them almost for free, right? The price is negligible. So building that email list and then using it, that's another thing I tell people is you got to use it. A lot of people mm -hmm. don't want to email their customers very often, uh, at least twice a week and have at least four or five different autoresponders going all the time, right? So that's always the first system we almost mandate. Any client, whether they want us to do their paid ads or web design or web development or influencer marketing or anything, I say build in email marketing. It's going to be an added in because it's just so effective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, sec the, the second one I always talk about is uh, a marketing calendar, right? Campaigning. Uh, most folks, Valentine's Day is the same day every year, right? Mm -hmm. But people, I ask people two, three days before Valentine's Day, hey, what, what are you doing for, for Valentine's Day? Like, oh, man, you're right. I need to come up with a campaign. Oh, I need to send out an email. I need to. Like, yeah. Why are you so surprised? <laughs> you know, why didn't you have something <laughs> ready? You know, you could, I literally tell people, you can plan out your next 12 months of campaigns today and mm -hmm. have something for every month. Even if you do something different when the time actually arrives, do that. Just plan out something for every month. It makes life so much easier. And then if there's a third system, if I may, I know I, I could go on and on. My whole company name is Atlanta Systems, right? Because I love systems. Yeah. But let me give you one more is, Hire a VA, right? I know people talk about hiring a VA and it's kind of difficult and you'll go through a lot of them. It's tough, but the sooner you start, the sooner you get good at it, right? Mm -hmm. When I tell, when people struggle with a VA, uh, using a VA or utilizing one, they say they wasted their time or they wasted money they could have done it easier themselves. Usually what happens is they don't realize the actual hidden like trap with VAs is not that you need to train a VA. You've got mm -hmm. to train yourself. You don't know how to delegate, right? And that's what people miss a lot of times. So get a VA quickly, start doing, giving them a repetitive task so you start to learn how to handle one. And I always tell people, you know, hire two or three at a time, okay. right? So that, that way you don't, you have a feeling of abundance rather than scarcity. So now mm -hmm. if one doesn't work out, just let them go. And then you just keep mm -hmm. recycling them because then you'll get better at using a VA and delegating uh, repetitive tasks. All right. Is there any any platform where uh, specifically that you use to find a good VA? Yeah, so I've used a bunch. There's uh, a couple Upwork I use pretty heavily. Um, mm -hmm. There's e-commerce.expert is another okay. one. Those are and then Fiverr. I, I wear Fiverr yeah. out pretty good too. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, you you mentioned um, so the first system you mentioned you uh, said like four to five autoresponders. Um, which ones mm -hmm. are those? Yeah, sure. So abandoned cart first and foremost. Always have at least two to three emails in your mm -hmm. abandoned cart series. Then a post purchase. So you know, yeah. abandoned cart, someone almost bought, right? Listen, they got that far down in the funnel, get them to buy. Then they actually do buy, get a post purchase, at least three emails. Uh, and one of the email first emails always thank you for your purchase. 
then have a brand indoctrination email, which is just here's who we are, here's what we're about. Have some usage emails in there, at least one or two usage emails. Here's how to get the best out of my product. Right? And don't fit mm-hmm. it all in one. Break it up mm-hmm. like part one, part two, part three, right? Because those are very high value, or almost transactional emails, very high open rates. People want to know how to get the best out of my product. Uh, and then have sharing, right? Share it on social uh, social media, share it with a friend. If you have a referral program, have an email about the referral program. And then towards the end of the post-purchase sequence, start trying to get them to buy again, right? That's mm-hmm. the post-purchase. Then you should have a list cleaning campaign, right? There's going to be people who are on your email list who don't really open or read, or maybe they got on there and um, will never buy from you. Have a mm-hmm. list cleaning flow that's really aggressive subject lines like, R-E colon, or hey, or basically try to get them to open. They're never opening, so you can be more aggressive in this flow. Have two or three emails where you're basically saying, if you don't open these any of these emails, I'm going to remove you from my list. And you can be mm-hmm. so, subtle about it and say something like that, like, hey, look, we don't want to send you information that you don't want. We don't want to bother you. So if you don't want to be on our list, we'll go ahead and remove you. But if you do, go ahead and just hit reply or click this button or something and we'll keep you on our list. And then people who make it through that flow without opening, just automatically remove them from your list. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then one of the most important, if not the most important is a welcome series or nurture series Mm -hmm. where this is people who have not bought anything from you, right? Somehow Mm -hmm. they ended up on your list, either through active efforts through like paid advertising or other marketing, have a welcome series that does a really good job of explaining you as a company, you as a founder and the products and services you sell but not necessarily in a way that you're selling and being pushy, but in a way that shows the customer a better version of themselves using your product, right? So the mm-hmm. idea of, you know, a, let's use a Snuggie as an example, right? You're not selling, oh, it has arms that you can put your arms through. What you're selling is comfort, right? You're selling a cozy evening on the couch, right? That's the kind of mm-hmm. thing you want to be pushing in your welcome series and really letting people see in different ways, here's how wonderful life can be if you use our products right so you have a lot of lifestyle images you can have video at this point what we do is with our videos you can't have a video in an email that's just too big but you can make that into an animated gif right take a couple snippets of the video make it into an animated gif put it into the email now you have some some life in your email and then they click it it takes them to a youtube video or to a even better a page on your website where the video is hosted and now they can watch it. So I like mm-hmm. those to be at least five emails long, right? Mm-hmm. And if you need, you know, what those emails can be, you run out of ideas, let me know. I've got a pile of ideas for you. Just reach out to me, email me. Um, and then we try to get that almost to 13 plus emails in the welcome oh, series. Wow. We want to keep hitting them. Oh, yeah. More the better. And yeah. we send at least once or uh, twice a week is our goal okay. for emails. So those yeah. are the autoresponders. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, and I, and I like that you included the list cleaning uh, series because usually that's not what comes to mind when people think about uh, marketing automation, but I think it's a super important one because otherwise your uh, deliverability will suffer. Uh, and I think a lot of people get hung up on, on the number of people on their list, but not all uh, people on your list are, well, are the same, of course. So uh, I think that's a very interesting addition here. In, in, uh, it's a good point. And not, and not just deliverability, but I mean, you're getting charged per email. You yeah, know, absolutely. It's a, a negligible amount per email, but I mean, it starts to add up. Once, like once we got up to having two, three hundred thousand emails in our email list, 
you know, having 60,000 people that don't open an email, that's a significant <laughs> amount of money. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's good to build yeah. that habit when you're smaller, um, build that practice in so that when you get bigger, you, you know, you, you have that habit in place. You can clean out your emails and keep your costs down. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so you grow uh, satellite caps uh, pretty quickly. Was it only on those systems or uh, anything else that really um, yeah. helped the growth? I love that you asked that question because it wasn't only those, but I, I like the idea of that it's not a lot. A lot of people mm -hmm. get shiny object syndrome and they try a lot of different True. things and they want, we tried a lot of things and almost hardly any of them worked. There were very few and I'll tell you what they were. It was Influencer marketing started us off. That was the first mm -hmm. one. Then we built a small little funnel where we went for email address capture versus the immediate sale, right? and then email marketing. Right. Mm -hmm. So those three, that combination of those three things built our company, and here's why. So influencer marketing was important for us because when you have a brand that's new, right? and what do I mean by new? Well, if you try to sell it on Amazon, it doesn't go. Well, that's because no one's really searching for it. Right. True. So a product where you need... Um, to build demand and basically explain and find customers, uh, that's tough. It's tough because mm -hmm. you have two challenges, right? They not only do they have to hear about you, but they also have to understand. And that's a mm -hmm. tough thing. If you're selling a toaster, people know right away what a toaster is, right? They get mm -hmm. it. Well, if you need to explain, that can be difficult to have the time you need to explain. And so that's why for us, influencer marketing and video worked really well because you know, influencers' job are to make things interesting. So we'd send them our product and they'd make the product interesting. And so then we'd, that video would go to their audience and that person has that trust, right? It's user-generated content in a sense, right? Because there's social proof from the influencer. So the influencer says, hey, if you want beautiful hair like mine, wear this. So people would sit and watch it and then they would show up at our site and they'd buy. A certain percentage mm -hmm. of them, probably about 10% would buy. Well, what we observed was that, what about that other 90%? And so what we would do is people coming from that influencer video, we would send them to a landing page, not straight to our product page. Because the 10% that we're going to buy would also give us our email address. So we weren't losing anything by adding a step in that funnel. We were, we were trying to get that extra 90%. So we got about 30% of people to sign up for an email address, which was great. So we had that 10% that would automatically buy. And now we got another 20% that was also on our email list who hadn't bought yet. And so then mm -hmm. what we would do is take that 20% and put them into a nice long nurture sequence where obviously yeah. they weren't, you know, high enough intent to purchase from watching the video, but now we have the chance to educate them through email. And so we mm -hmm. get people buying through email. I don't remember the exact percentages now, but it was significant enough to get us to about 40K, sorry, 40 to 80K in revenue. So just the influencer videos got us to 40K a month in revenue. Then adding mm -hmm. in this this one page, a landing page, got us to 80k a month in revenue on right. on in our business. Yeah, and then of course the next year we kept that going and we kept doing that and that was nice. It kept us at 80k a month in revenue, but then we added in paid advertising and that's when things mm -hmm. took off, right? Because mm -hmm. what we were when you're dealing with search marketing or Amazon or you know even influencers, you're waiting for people to come to you. They they have mm -hmm. to search. They have to be looking for it. So you're not in control of when you get your revenue. With paid advertising like Facebook, where you're getting in front of them, you're interrupting them, that is contextual, you get to determine when you put your ads in front of people and how much traffic you get and when. Granted, yeah. you pay Facebook a fee for that service, but you're far more in control. And so what we were, and all you have to do is raise your lower budgets 
uh, to scale up or down the traffic. And that's when we really started to take off because now we had the building blocks, right? We had great creative, great content to use for ads. We had great copy because these influencers had said interesting things for us. So we would just take snippets of that, put it in an ad, take their video, uh, put their face in the ad, uh, along mashed up with others, and then run mm-hmm. those ads to their audiences, right? It was just a very nice, tightly <laughs> controlled group. Uh, and then we would just scale the budget up and it just, it worked well. And then we'd run them those ads to that same landing page we used for influencer that was converting well already that also had the email. So now this, there was this nice tight funnel that we were able to use and that just scaled us. I mean, we went from doing 80K a month in revenue. And I think that December we had our first million dollar month where we did a million wow. dollars in revenue. And it was, yeah, it was intense an intense ride. Wow, impressive. So you send a lot of the traffic first to the to landing page and instead of like directly to the product page and you try to capture uh, their email address. Do you have any tips on, on how to uh, increase that sign-up rate on that landing page? Yeah, that's a tough one, right? So there, there's a couple of different ways. There's the lead magnets, there's giveaways uh, you can do or, or contests. Uh, there's, of course, discounts off. I think people have blindness now towards discounts off. If they didn't want your product, they're not going to want to give an email address for a discount off on your product. So right. there's mm-hmm. no point. But those are usually the ways people do it, mm-hmm. is lead magnet, contest, or, um, or discounts. discount off. Yeah, or the discount. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a tough one, though. So the way I look at it is it's kind of uh, if people want your product, they'll give you an email address. Right. Mm-hmm. So I like using email in, in the reverse. Like, so instead of trying hard to get people to increase signups, it's almost mm-hmm. like, well, if people aren't signing up, maybe people don't want the product, <laughs> you know, and I use okay. almost like product valid, yeah, product validation and product. Testing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's an interesting so, way to look at it. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, so you, you also mentioned, influencer marketing as, as a big part of, of really taking off the business. But um, do you have any particular advice to people who want to get started with influencer marketing? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> Sorry to bust the <laughs> bubble. Uh, that was one thing I've realized. And we did influencer marketing for clients years later, but that was six, seven years ago we were doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I've observed since then is it's expensive now. Influencer okay. marketing, the landscape has changed, right? So to try and make money from influencer marketing, don't do that. But you notice okay. when I mentioned the paid ads worked better with influencers because yeah. now I had copy ads. Use it for that purpose. So the way okay. I use influencer marketing now is not direct response to make money. I use it mm-hmm. as creative generation because I'm arbitraging what it would cost me to produce a video. Right? If I go to a production house, they're going to charge me 2500 minimum to make a video mm-hmm. for the sound guy, the lighting, the cost in the wardrobe, everything. But I go to an influencer with a 40,000, 50,000 person audience on YouTube, and they may charge me $500 to make a video for me, uh-huh. right? Now, while that may not be a great video that you get, you can make five videos for the same amount it would have costed you to make one video. Now uh-huh. you have five different pieces of content that were made for you that are varying degrees of good. And if none of them are really good, what you can do is just hire an editor for another 200 bucks and have them make you something interesting. But now you've got five different faces saying positive, warm things about your product. Uh, and you have all that copy. And you can now take those and mash them up into new videos, new content, put it on your website, put it in emails, run it as ads. So I use influencers now not to make money, 
but to make content that okay. then will help me make yeah. money. That's an interesting take on it. And on top of that, of course, you have, because it, it's someone else saying that you have a great product, uh, it, it, yeah. it is a lot more credible to your uh, consumers mm -hmm. anyway um, than when you say it is a great product. So that's a, a yep. nice added bonus. Yeah. Social um, proof. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So what do you believe are like the two or three keys to grow an e-commerce business in today's environment? Yeah, there's three specifically, right? Foundation, follow-up, and fuel, right? So the foundation is make sure you can take orders, right? Make sure your your cash register works. So that's your Shopify store, and I highly recommend mm -hmm. Shopify over all the rest, right? Your mm -hmm. Shopify store, your order management process, make sure you can ship your product, you know, your shipping fulfillment processes. Make sure your foundation is good. Once you have mm -hmm. that, make sure your follow-up is in place, right? So this mm -hmm. is your email marketing, right? This is your retargeting on AdWords, your retargeting on Facebook. So make sure that once you get someone to your site, to your store, you can and they don't buy, you can follow up with them. So have an email address or a pixel, cooking them, whatever it may be, so you can follow up. Once that infrastructure is in place, the third step is the fuel. And now you're ready to scale. And that's where the paid ads come in. So that's Facebook and AdWords. Right? Mm -hmm. So those are the three to me in that order, right, oh. that allow us to, I mean, we are able to take clients who are ready and, and have a good product that there has demand within three months we get them to 84k plus in revenue right that's that seven figure run rate like that's what we specialize in doing taking mm -hmm. people who are at about six figures a month and have that foundation in place and getting them to seven figures plus a month in revenue in about three months because wow. the building blocks are the same it's simple you know you just get it working yeah you know and so that's why what you do is important you notice in that foundation the website needs to convert Right? Mm -hmm. And so what we always say is if, if you're not converting at at least 2%, you have one mm -hmm. of two and, or making the revenue you want, you're, if, you don't, if you're not at 2%, your website needs fixed. Right? That's what you mm -hmm. guys do, and it's powerful. You need CRO, yep. and you get that site converting. If you are mm -hmm. over 2%, you just need fuel. You need to pour jet fuel on it. Get the paid. You need more traffic. That's good enough. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, once you yeah, have right. a site converting at 2%, buy traffic. You need more traffic. Yep. <laughs> sure. No, and I like this, the simplicity of, of how you break it up. I mean, sometimes you get caught up in, in a lot of, like you mentioned before, shiny object syndrome. And, uh, and there's uh, you re read a blog post today, a podcast, you listen to a podcast tomorrow, you watch a YouTube video the day after, and, and you jump from one idea to the other. Uh, but you kind of make it sound easy <laughs> this way. So. <laughs> And honestly, I, I like to tell to tell people like that's how we built our business. It it really is easy. Here's why I say it is easy, because mm -hmm. if people want your product, that's what people miss, right? Uh, the reason why people get shiny object syndrome is because they decide I'm going to make a product and people will buy it for me, right? If mm -hmm. if we build it, they will come. Well, you're mm -hmm. forcing something on the market that people don't want, right? So if you have that credible like I know people want this, there's demand for this. It actually is really easy and remarkably mm -hmm. simple to scale the business rapidly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if there's anything I could like leave people with, it's that idea is make sure people actually want the product that there is demand, then marketing is, is easy. It's just a matter of finding more of those people. Right, yeah. So if you look back at uh, Saturn Lion Caps, um, well now Grace Alea, um, so if, if you would start over again, is there anything you would do differently? Yeah, there's, there's, we've made lots of mistakes, right? And so I, I'd say I always tell people I've spent over seven figures on mistakes, right? Things mm -hmm. are just 
avoidable. And that's a big part of what we try and do now is help people. We help prevent avoidable mistakes, like things that are just like, don't do that. Right. So if the things that I would do, I'll I'll give you a couple of things I wouldn't, I would not have done and things I would have done. Mm -hmm. Um, So things I wouldn't have done, I would not have hired a big CPG, you know, worked at Kraft Foods, right? These are people who are big time marketers or brand, um, branding experts for big brands like Coca-Cola and these kinds of things to come into mm-hmm. a small business, right? Yeah. These, these are folks who are experts at very big, very national level marketing campaigns and bringing them into a, you know, $5 million company. It's just mm-hmm. going to break the company that the, well, they're used to spending a lot more than you can and not necessarily have an answer for uh, a profitability number or a cash flow number. So that was a huge mistake. That was at least quarter million, half a million bucks worth of spend in PR and all kinds of things. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't do that again. Okay. Um, if there was something I could do, I would have focused more on the brand. Like I was big on not branding. And so now we've even rebranded. We went away from sentlinecaps.com to gracealea.com, right? Built my sister up as a designer. But I fought that for two years, right? Basically, like, okay. no, I want to just. Yeah, I fought it hard. I didn't want to do anything with design or branding or any of that. But I would tell you there's a lot of uh, subconscious kind of um, reactions that customers have and prospects have. They're just, man, it just looks nice. It just is clean. There's something about, about mm-hmm. that brand. And that that kind of um, extra brand equity, if you will, is yeah. it's intangible, but it's it's very visible. Like it's we, we get a lot of compliments nowadays on, how good the brand looks and how good the photography looks. Now, one thing I will say to caveat that I do think we still did it right. Right. So I wouldn't focus mm-hmm. on that right at the beginning when I start where I'm investing most of my money. And if I'm a mm-hmm. brand doing 10 K a month, I'm not going to spend 10 K on a photo shoot. Right. Mm-hmm. Month one, like that's, it's, it's just doesn't make sense to invest heavily in that. But once you start to cash flow and you start getting into 40, 50 K a month, yeah, make sure you put the effort in to getting a clean, polished look, get a good designer, get a good photographer, good videographers to upgrade the look and feel of, of your brand. And and why did you fight it so hard and so long, the brand? Yeah, part? I fought it because of money. I'm a bottom line guy. I'm an operations okay. guy from my Amazon days. I was like, mm-hmm. we're spending money to take better pictures? What's wrong with the pictures mm-hmm. we have? You know, <laughs> I, I was so aggressive on not wanting um extra to get in the way of the buyer's journey that i actually when we migrated to shopify the first time from woocommerce i didn't even have a home page i was like we're just going to have okay. a category page it would just be product images so when people land on our site there's just three steps to buy pick your color go to the cart pay us yeah. <laughs> very much like i want to get <laughs> as close to revenue as possible you know and i was, I was just a little too aggressive uh, with that yeah. So yeah, it just seemed um, like an unnecessary expense. It seemed too costly. But no, yeah. after a certain, it was just too costly at the beginning. At later stages, it it is worth the expense. Mm-hmm. And 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 I get it. I mean, it, branding sometimes seems very intangible fluff. Um, and whereas when you run an e-commerce business, you look at Google Ads, for instance, and it's money in, money out, and it's very tangible. And then branding is a whole different story. I think. Um, anything else that you would do differently if you would start over again? Yeah, if I'd start over again, I'd do differently. Uh, the VAs thing was a big one. 
right? Yeah. So I, I spent too much time working too hard for too long, mm-hmm. you know, in those first couple of years. I'd, I'd, and honestly, it wasn't even the money because once we started, you know, pulling in 40 to 80K, it was just like, you know, we have the money to hire someone. It turned into, I just don't have the energy, right? Mm-hmm. I'm already so busy working uh, and I don't want to have to train someone and build SOPs and all this kind of stuff. Uh, that's why I recommend starting early, right? Yeah. Because what happens is, yeah, you're going to run out of energy, but things are only going to get worse if you get bigger, right? Because uh, you almost grow yourself into a, more problems. The bigger you grow, the more problems you get, right? More money, more problems kind of idea, right? Mm-hmm. So the, you, you need to start it. At some point, you're going to have to get over that hurdle. And it's actually simpler than you might think. Not easy, but simpler than you might think because what happens is you realize, oh, I was just saying it incorrectly, right? When people are, when VAs are a problem, right? When you're managing people. So what you need to do is make sure you have bite-sized tasks that you feel mm-hmm. comfortable that are repeatable. And that's what you start with. A lot of people want to start with, oh, I need a, you know, my site to look better. You know, I yeah. need these emails to be made. You know, those aren't the tasks you start with. What you mm-hmm. start with is every day I log into Shopify and check my reports. I want to see how much money I made. That's mm-hmm. the kind of task you hand off to a VA, having them email mm-hmm. it to you. Or we talked about hiring VAs, Upwork, Fiverr, all that. There's messages that come in. I would have a VA go into all of those different inboxes, copy and paste or screenshot the messages and send me an email with all of those. So I don't have to go to each one of those different inboxes to look at them individually. Mm-hmm. Right? Those are the kinds of tasks where you don't even realize that they're eating up your day. But I'm sure an hour or two a day is spent on these kind of routine, mundane tasks. Just It's just spread out over a 10, 12-hour day. Yeah. So pull those out and give those to a VA ASAP. Yeah, so that you can actually have some more time uh, to do the things where you um, make more of a difference than doing all those small tasks. Exactly. Exactly. Right, yeah, um, there's a con- oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say there's a concept of your zone of genius. Uh, there's two mm-hmm. books uh, I, I like to recommend for this. One is The Big Leap by Bit mm-hmm. Gay Hendricks. talks about your zone of genius versus your zone of excellence versus your zone of competence and zone of incompetence. and really speaks to the idea of you are put on this earth with a certain set of um, gifts and abilities that are unique to you. And mm-hmm. so that's your zone of genius. Uh, but you're also really good at a lot of things. That's your zone yeah. of excellence. Where you really shine is when you're in that zone of genius doing that stuff that only you can do. But you you end up just doing a lot of other stuff because you're in your zone of excellence because you're good at it. And that's yeah. how people start to fail and never really truly reach their potential. So that's what getting really disciplined about pulling out what you're just decent at and handing that off so you can focus on what you're really good at, what your genius level at. That's powerful. That's the big leap. And then Essentialism by Greg McKeown. That one mm-hmm. talks a lot about saying no, the power of no. It's a beautiful yeah. thing when you really grasp it. So. Absolutely. I just read the book, actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, it's marvelous. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And it, it, it's very hard to say no sometimes, uh, but mm-hmm. it, it does work. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so you've been working with quite a few e-commerce businesses. Um, what's the biggest mistake you see e-commerce entrepreneurs make? Uh, so there's one intangible and there's one tangible, or I'd say emotional, right? The first one is e-commerce entrepreneurs, we have been successful in life outside of their business, right? So they were a great mm-hmm. corporate career or they have a wonderful family or they raised someone and they think, you know what? I was successful there. I'll be successful here. They don't mm-hmm. realize 
how hard this is going to be. Not hard as in like just must like muscle it more, like just work harder. Not hard that way. It's there's a lot you don't know. If you think about it, in most of our jobs in our daily lives, you've spent your whole life training for it. You've been in school, preparing to be a productive member of society. There is no school for your running your business. Uh, we talk about entrepreneurship, but every entrepreneur's business is different. It's supposed to be. That's what innovation is all about. That's what disruption is right. all about. So I think the first thing that I'd say is um, difficult for entrepreneurs or the mistake they make is just assuming it's not going to be the hardest thing they've ever done. And so they start to get really um, down and almost depressed a lot of times when, they, when they're not succeeding at the pace they thought they would succeed. Right. And mm -hmm. they start, there's a lot of negative behaviors that come up and they get depressed and they start having avoidance behavior, whatever your negative results are, whether you get depressed or you act out or drinking or, you know, whatever it is that starts to happen. And so there's a book called the hard thing about hard things by Ben Horowitz. And he talks about how difficult entrepreneurship is and it's not for everybody. Right. And mm -hmm. so a lot of people end up staying in the game longer than they need to when they really just, you know, they thought it'd be something fun and easy to do. Just get out before you break yourself, right? Before you mm -hmm. really either lose everything financially or mentally, emotionally, physically. So just get out. Or if it's really truly what you want to do, recognize this is going to take all of you and be okay with it, right? Mm -hmm. And just don't burn yourself out, right? And protect yourself, right? Get your sleep, get your nutrition, get your water, you know, eat right, get exercise, have time for fun activities outside of just your business and mm -hmm. plan for the long haul. That's the first one. That's the intangible the other one is uh that's more tangible we've talked a little bit about so i won't go too far into it is just they make it more difficult than it needs to be right? mm -hmm. the shiny object syndrome right they try a lot of different things at the end of the day it's about talking to customers like lean startup approach right who yeah. wants your product do a lot of good cost customer development find out who wants it and then just keep talking to them right keep understanding what their pain points are with your product how much they want to spend for your product what the right price point is and keep giving them more of what they want. Like, that's it. And then keep it simple, right? Mm -hmm. Whether they're, if they're on Facebook, run Facebook ads. If they're on Instagram, run Instagram ads. If they're, you know, if they're not on digital at all and they're in your local area, stay local, right? Mm -hmm. Do AdWords local ads or go to meetups, right? And provide those products there. Um, keep it simple. And of course, have your, your big three, the foundation, the follow-up and the fuel, right? Make sure your site's converting. Uh, make sure you have your email marketing in place and make sure you can drive traffic and keep it simple. Yeah, <laughs> not, one thing I want to stress with, with keep it simple, here's what I mean by that is like we built our business to five and a half million and didn't do any SEO. I don't think, I still think we have terrible SEO, right? Okay. <laughs> We've never really done SEO. You know, that's what I mean by like keep it simple. Like you yeah. don't have to be doing everything, you know. No, true about SEO. There's a lot of companies that start out with it, but I I don't think that's the best way either. I mean, you could do it once you have a, a good running business and you get the paid ads, for instance, and, and email marketing and whatnot. But uh, SEO shouldn't be your first, uh, yeah, first thing to do. Uh, but anyway, um, well, I have to say this is this has been absolutely amazing. Uh, I, I learned a ton, and I'm sure this uh, this will be a very valuable episode for uh, our listeners. Um, we could definitely go on for hours and hours, but uh, we're running out of time. And um, I want to make sure people know how they can find you and learn more about you. Uh, what, what's the best place for people uh, to connect with you? Yeah, sure. Hit me up on the site, you know, my website, aleasystems.com. That's E-L-E-Y-A-E systems.com. Um, 
they can reach out to me, uh, Emmanuel at AlayaSystems.com, E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L at AlayaSystems.com. I always love chatting with people. As you see, I'm a little bit addicted to e-commerce. I just love it. I've been mm-hmm. in the game for almost a de- over a decade now, I'd say. Yeah, it's been over a decade. Weird. Time flies. But uh, <laughs> I just love yeah. it. Cool. <laughs> I enjoy it. And I love talking about all steps, sides of it, from the operation side of it, because I ran a fulfillment center, manufacturing, to marketing, to web development, all of that. So reach out to us. Great. Uh, thank you so much for being here, Emmanuel. It's been uh, really thank great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been good. Thank you. The E-Commerce Excellence Podcast is sponsored by Dexter.Agency. We help e-commerce business owners scientifically increase revenue without needing more traffic. Ready to discover a more reliable way to increase conversion and, more importantly, revenue? Register for our free training, The 5 Transformations That Double E-Commerce Profits, at Dexter.Agency slash webinar.